Good morning, everyone. We just finished the tractate Psachim. We made a siyum, and uh, we are continue. We left off in Shkalim, page four, on the top of the page. We left off in the middle of the Mishnah. Mishnah continues. These were obligated to give a kalbay. A kalbay means a little, a small amount, an addition. In addition to the half a shekel, you have to add a small amount. We'll learn either 24th or 48th of the of the um, of the shekel. Why why do you have to give a kalbay? What's the reason? Why do you have to give a kalvan? There are different reasons that are given. We have an argument between Rabbi Meir. We can learn an argument between the Meir and the rabbis. Rabbi Meir says it's biblical. We're obligated to give. Why? Why are we obligated to give? Because. We're obligated to give because Torah says that the shekel, half a shekel, has to be pure. Hashem showed Moshe a fire, a, a fiery coin. So there's no impurities. But when we give a silver coin, a half a coin, a half a shekel, firstly, it's rubbed out with time. It has impurities. You're not giving a half a shekel. To make sure you're actually giving a half a shekel, a mayor says you must give an addition. A little more to make sure it's a half a shekel. That's a mayor's reason. Other reason, the rabbis say, no, it's only rabbinic. The reason why you have to add the kalbun, kal means a light thing, boin, bain, between, because since the half a shekel, there's different ways of understanding it. Midi says, since a half a shekel becomes a precious commodity, there's a demand. What's the law of the marketplace? When there's a demand, it's worth more. It has a greater value. Everyone is looking for half a shekel. When everyone is going, every Jew in the world is looking for half a shekel. And therefore, it suddenly goes up in value. So, if you give a half a shekel, it's fine. The problem is, when you give a full shekel, not a half a shekel. When you give a full shekel, for, let's say for two people, you're giving a full shekel. The full shekel is worth less than the half a shekel. <laughs> because two halves, two half a shekel, because of the marketplace, since every Jew is looking for a half a shekel, there's a demand, there's a big demand, so the value of a half a shekel is greater. The value of the two half shekels is greater than the value of just the shekel itself, per se. Or if you come and exchange two dinners for half a shekel, the shekel is worth more than, than the two dinners that you gave to the to the exchanger. So therefore, you have to add a little to make it to, to make it even. It has to be the value of a half a shekel. It's not the value of a half a shekel. You're just giving me two dinners, or you're giving me a, a full shekel. It's not the same value as a half a shekel. Wait a second. Suppose they have shekel in modern times, was uh, twenty-five cents a quarter. You only have no, five but then, then it got by. Then nickels. it went by silver. How much silver it had? Well, how much weight it had? How much weight it had? Yeah, but there's a, if there's a demand for for let's say there's a shortage of nickels, it becomes a becomes a, a value, an item, it becomes a collector's item. <laughs> so you couldn't give five nickels in place of the quarter. No, quarter you could. You you're giving. You're coming to the exchanger. You have to give a half a shekel. But you're coming to the exchanger. You're giving him coins to exchange for a half a shekel to give the half a shekel into the to the treasury. But the coins that you're giving him are not the same value. 
because they didn't go up in price, but the half a shekel went up in price, in value, because everyone is looking for it. That's one way of understanding it. Another way of understanding it is because it's the price, the price you have to pay for any exchange, any money exchanging. When you go to the airport and you exchange currencies, there's a, he takes a certain percentage. He, there's, a, there's a fee. It's minor, but, but still there's a fee involved. So you're going to the money exchange because you want to make sure you have a half a shekel. So whatever you're giving him, the two dinners, you're giving him a full shekel, he's giving you a change or whatever it is. You have to pay for the for the uh, for the for the exchange. Okay, so he says these are obligated to give the kalva and the extra. Levim, the Levites, Yisraelim, and the Israelites, Vegedim, and the convert, Avadim Shacharim, the freed slaves, Avaloi Koinim, not Koinim. Since we don't force and force the Koinim to give their shekel. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, they're actually not obligated at all. But according to, even according to Rabbi Yechonon and Zaka, they are obligated. But we don't force them, so therefore we don't take a kalbun from them either. A woman is not obligated to give a half a shekel. It's a time-bound mitzvah. And the Torah says you should count the half shekel, the original half shekel was to count the, the men, not the women. So the women are exempt. So even though they want to give, we accept it from them, but we don't take a kalbun, we don't, we don't take anything extra from them. It's like a donation. You don't. There's no obligations. You don't take extra. The kalvin. Idea of it: If you're giving for a servant, a slave, a Canaanite who has the same law of a woman, you don't give extra. You don't have to give the kalvin. They cut them. If you're giving for your child, like we say, if you give for your child, you could. We accept it. And once you start giving, you must continue to give. Once the father starts giving for his son, he has to start for his minor. He still has to continue to give. But if it's under the age of twenty, there's no obligation. Especially if it's under the age of bar mitzvah, then you don't have to add the kalbin for his half shekel. You don't have to add that extra, the extra little. But if he gives for himself and for his friend, he's just giving one, 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 she- one whole shekel, which contains two halves. He doesn't need change here. He's giving the treasury here. I'm giving a full shekel. It's two halves. One for me. One for my friend. Then you're obligated to give a kalbin. Yeah. As the media explained, because since the value of the kalbin of the shekel is less than the two half shekels, each two each half in itself, the two halves together would be worth more in the marketplace than just the full shekel. Because there's a demand. There's no demand for shekels. There's a big demand, heavy demand for the half shekel. So therefore, you have to give add that extra kalbin. Meir says no you're obligated to give two kalban since he said we're going to learn that we're biblically obligated since we said that we're biblically obligated we're biblically obligated to add the, the, the kalban to have a shekel because it has to be pure and if you just give a half a shekel even if you're giving a shekel instead for in, in place of two halves it's impure, there's a lot of impurities and it's rubbed out with the usage so therefore each one you have to add a kalban for each half so you have to give two, two, two kalbans then he says if someone is giving for a poor person or for his neighbor He's doing a favor. He's giving for his poor, for his neighbor, or a member, a landsman, someone from uh, from a city. But because you're giving for them, you're doing a favor. Since you're doing a favor, you're doing an act of kindness. You're doing an act of tzedakah. So we don't impose upon you. You have to add also a kalbin. It's enough. You give the half a shekel. 
However, if you lend them, you're just lending with them and they're going to have to pay it back, then chayev, then there's no exemption. You're not doing anyone any favor. You're just loaning them. You're just laying it out for them. But they're going to eventually pay you back. So there's no reason. It's not a big favor you're doing. It's no big deal. So you, of course you have to pay the kalva. Then he says, Ach, in brothers who are, are partners, if they're obligated to give a kalva, then they're exempt from tithing for the animal. They're obligated for tithing. But the mother will explain, what do you mean? We're talking about a father who died and left an estate, and the brother is the inheritor who inherits from their father. So there are stages. The first stage is they didn't divide the estate yet. So they all inherited together. Since they all inherited together, so if they pay from the inheritance, from the estate, they pay the obligation of the coin, of the half a shekel, it's like the father is paying. They didn't divide it yet. It belongs to the father. It's like the estate of the father. So we just learned if someone is giving for someone else, you don't have to give a Calvin. Then they're exempt from giving a Calvin. But they're obligated to tithe. The father is obligated to tithe. Why shouldn't they be obligated to tithe? If you have, if you have animals, the tenth animal, you're obligated to tithe and you're obligated to offer it as a sacrifice. But then you have the next stage where they actually divide the estate. So if they divide the estate, then the father's out of the picture. Now it belongs to them. What if then they go ahead and they go, go into partnership? You know, let's partner together. They reap, they reap, join. So now that they're rejoining as partners. So the law is, with, so therefore, as partners, you're exempt from tithing. Because so first you're exempt from tithing the animals that already are there. You're exempt from tithing because by dividing the estate, it's like they sell each other. I'm selling you my portion, you sell me your portion. When you buy an animal and a sale, you're exempt from tithing. The obligation to tithe your tenth animal is only if it's your animal. But if you buy it from the marketplace, someone gives it to you as a gift, you're exempt. So here the brothers are buying from each other. They're they're dividing the estate. So each one purchased his part from the other brother because they all they all inherited together. So therefore, it's exempt. And the newborn animals from now on, since they're partners, they re-entered into a partnership. Partners are exempt from tithing only if you're the sole owner. But you're obligated to give a Calvin because now you're giving money from your own your own money. Each is, there's no longer an estate, the collective estate. Each brother owns his own his own money. So you're giving money from it's your money that you're giving. So like anyone else, you give a half a shekel, you have to add the Calvin. Or if you give a full shekel, you have to add the Calvin. That's the mission. Oh, the Mishnah concludes. What is a Calvin? How much is a Calvin? Kamo Calvin. So he says, more kesef. More kesef is 24th of a shekel. A shekel is made up of four dinners. Every dinner is six ma. 24 ma in a dinner. So a ma is 24th of a dinner. Let's just finish the Mishnah. The rabbi said, no, even less. A half a ma. Half a ma means 148th of a shekel. So you have to add 148th of a shekel. Okay. That's the end of the... Okay. Zuck the hell, kick him out. Half a piece of... Half a piece of... Okay. So mother says... And how much is the silver mile as well? At 48. What do you say? 148. Okay. 148. He says half a mile. He says half a piece of... So even though... It says that you don't demand... 
you could receive. We learned in the Mishnah, we learned yesterday, that even though we don't, we don't force them to give, but if they want to give, we give. The women, the children, the minors, they want to give, they want to give. Okay, the question is, but we don't even demand it from them. Yesterday we learned. The other day we learned that you do demand. You don't. You don't force them, but you do demand from them from the miners. And here you say you don't even demand from them. So it's a contradiction. But answers no. There's no contradiction. We're talking about two different miners. If he reaches puberty, he doesn't reach puberty. If he's on the bar mitzvah, then we don't even demand. He's no obligation. It's a child. If he wants to give, that's our mission. It says if he wants to give, we accept. The previous mission says we do, we do demand, but we don't we don't uh, force them. That's a child over bar mitzvah. So and before under the age of twenty, that we don't force them, but we do demand. Okay. It says a non-Jew and a kusi. Kusi are those who converted because they were afraid of the lion when Sanchev came and he mixed up the whole world brilliantly what he did was this was his strategy he didn't want any resistance he conquered the whole world so what he did was he moved around all the nations so no one should feel rooted there's no patriotism there's no nationalism no one feels connected to the land everyone is an immigrant a stranger so he flooded he flooded the border with immigrants and everyone should feel like a stranger no one should feel connected to the land yeah. so he brought the Kut into the land of Israel he exiled the ten tribes and in place in place of the ten tribes he filled them up with Kutim now the Kutim were idolaters but they were afraid the lions attacked them Israel can't stand idolaters so therefore they converted but it wasn't a sincere conversion the question is whether it was a genuine conversion at all or not at all so here in the mission it says that Goyim non-Jews and Kutim we don't accept their donations Mm-hmm. So from here we see this must go. Mishnah must follow the opinion that the Kutim are considered like Goyim. Their, their conversion was a fiction, a total fake, not worth the paper it was written on. And therefore, they're treated like Goyim. Because there's an argument. We learn like Nachrim. The author of the Mishnah holds with another. Kutim are converts. They're 100% Jewish. So, yeah. so therefore, according to Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, our mission, he can't say what it says. So, of course, you accept the, their donations and their sacrifices. Because they're, they're Jews. Our Mishnah follows even Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. When he says you don't accept, Except he's talking about only goyim, pure goyim, right? The ones only we pure know about for sure, right? But the, we don't know for sure. It's still, a, it's still an issue. What? It's a disagreement. We don't know. Right. Yeah. So he says, "Benachri, we don't fucking have benachri, benachri loyes." Abakusim But goyim, but kusim, no. 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 Not from Kusum, we do accept the sacrifice. Because they're converts, like Abshim Gamliel says. And and converts are allowed to offer all these sacrifices, sin offerings and built to all the sacrifices. And the Tonikin, this is what we learned. We learned in the Braise that we do accept sacrifices from converts. We learned it says Adam. In the beginning of Vayikra, we just started reading last Shabbos. Adam Kiyakriv Mikem. Adam, he starts out with Abbasagadim, any person. Adam comes, no, it's Jews, but converts. 
mikem from you, not all of you. We don't accept from all Jews. Some Jews we don't accept sacrifices. Those who converted to Christianity or to other religions out of their faith, married out of their faith or converted out of their faith, then we don't accept their sacrifices. Who is it we still have today? The Samaritans, right? Yeah, they were yeah. cheap rabbi. They didn't have like me to cheap rabbi. A handful. No, we, we went one of our trips to Israel. We went to visit them. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he says, in fact, the mother says, our Mishnah argues Abelazar. Abelazar's answer is not sustainable. Because we learn, we don't accept from them. Zavin, Vizavis, Kinder Yildiz, we don't accept from them the birds, the peers that you have to give if you're a Zav to purify yourself, to be able to go back from the temple to eat the sacred sacrifices, Vizavis, Kinder Yildiz, if you give birth, Chiesh Kinder Zavin, Vizavis, Benachrim. Does it make sense to tell me, you have to tell me that Goyim don't bring these sacrifices? They don't have these impurities. The only one who has an impurity while they're alive are Jews. There's no such thing as an impurity while you're alive. Animals, animals, there's no such thing as tumor from a guy. Only after he dies. Same as with an animal, a, cor- a carcass. But while, while you're alive, only a Jew has impurity. So you have to tell me that a guy can bring these animal sacrifices? It's not relevant to him. These are all for purification. If you have gonorrhea, if, you, if a woman has, is, has sees blood, not in the time of menstruation, if she gives birth and she, she bleeds. So therefore there's impurities and therefore you need to, a part of the purification process, you have to bring these birds and these animals. There's no connection to a guy. So you must say that it's talking about kutsim. Kusim who are considered like Jews. Like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says. They are considered like Jews. And therefore, all these laws of impurity are applicable to them. And nevertheless, the rabbis say, we don't, we, don't accept, we don't accept their donations for the building of the temple. And likewise, we don't accept their sacrifices. Because they're not acting like Jews. So therefore, we discard them. Therefore, we say, Goyim and... So not like Abelaz. Abelaz says that this part of the mission says you don't accept the sacrifices, only refers to Goyim. But the Kutim, who are complete, full-fledged Jews, we do accept their, their, their sacrifices. Only the first part of the Mishnah says we don't accept their donations because even though the Kutim are converts, they're like Jews, but nevertheless the rabbis refuse to accept their donations because they, they stop practicing and they behave now like idolaters. Right. But sacrifices, they are, it's applicable to them. But it's not, it doesn't make sense, you might ask. Because our mission, why would the mission even have to tell us that a guy can't bring these sacrifices? It's not relevant to him. So he must be talking about Kutim. That even though they're Jewish and they're converts, they're Jewish, and the laws of impurity do apply to them, nevertheless, we don't accept the sacrifices. Just like we learn, a Jew converts out of faith, we don't accept the sacrifice. So too, these are the, these Jews, these, these Kutim, these converts, sin. Their conversion didn't last, it wasn't so sincere. So even though we consider them Jewish, but we don't accept the fact. The first part of the mission is talking about Goyim, and the end is talking about Kut. So, this is the way of the Jewish people of purity and holiness. No, so he's asking, it's part of the question. Does it make sense? That the first part of the mission is coming to teach me mainly about Goyim. We don't accept their donations. They can't participate in the building of the temple. 
And then he concludes with Kutim. Even though the first part also applies to Kutim. Even though they're Jewish and really they technically they could participate in the building of the temple. We could accept their donations of the Havashaka. But we, we chose not to because we, they're, not, they're not behaving properly. But the main point is the Goyim. That's the prohibition. He brings a Pasuk. The Pasuk that he's bringing is, is about Goyim. That we don't, they have no part, they're not allowed to have any participation in the building of the tabernacle. And then he concludes in the Mishka, the temple, and then he concludes with the, with the sacrifices. There's no connection to the Goyim. Makes no sense. So it must mean that he's concluding about Kutim. What about the era of Ra? So not like Abel Lazar. What about the era of Ra? Were they converted? They were converted, yeah. So the Gemara answers, Kini. No, it's not a question. It's not just a question. Abel Lazar will tell you that, yeah, yeah, we could say that. Rabbi Lazar will say yes. The beginning is talking about Goyim. The main, mm. the main player there is Goyim, that we don't accept non-Jews, we don't accept their donations to the building of the temple. But then, and, but then he also includes Kutim, which only the rabbis say we don't accept their donations because they are Jews. But then he, he says, he can, continues in relation to Kutim, even though they're Jewish and, and the laws of impurity apply to them. We do not accept their sacrifices because we consider them like, like uh, Jews are converted out of out of faith that the Torah says we don't accept the sacrifice. Okay. Your mother says we continue. It says now Mishnah that the Goy and the Kutim who gave a shekel, we don't accept it from them. We don't receive it from them. Not only they're not obligated, we're not allowed to take from them. When we're building the temple, when we're build, in the middle of building the temple, we don't accept anything from them. Not something that's very specific. Because then the guy will always say, I donated this this vessel, I donated this piece, is mine. There was no plaques in the temple, but still, he'll point out, this is my donation. So it's not nice. It's not nice for us to have, you know, a goy should participate in the building of the temple. But the davar she'ena mesuyim, and something that's not, let's say he just gives money. You're not giving anything specific that you're going to be able to tell what it is. Nevertheless, we don't accept it. Because... Maybe they'll they'll come close to us. We'll come to intermarry. Um, maybe also afterwards they're going to regret their, their donation. They're going to want their money back. So we don't accept it. But if after the temple is built and they're just coming to strengthen the maintenance, they want to donate to the maintenance or burn the mortgage or <laughs> they want to donate to the maintenance of the temple. So he says. Then he makes a distinction. Something that's not uh, something you can't identify, then then we do accept from them. Because even if they take it back, it's not it's not going to ruin us. The temple already exists. They want their money back. Fine, we'll give them the money back. The maintenance, we'll give them whatever they gave. It's not going to weaken us. But 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 something you can identify. Even then, you don't accept them because again, you don't want to be able to go to point out to everyone. You should boast. You see, this is my donation. Yeah, yeah. That's the opinion of Rabbi Eichen. 
his brother-in-law argues. Even after the temple is built and we're just collecting for the maintenance of the temple, we're not allowed to accept any donation, any participation of the non-Jew. Whether you could identify it, even if you can't identify it. Wait, when Shlomo Melech built the first temple, didn't he have the help of Cyrus? As workers, and he paid them. He paid them fully. Give him like men, men, thousands of workers. Yeah, and so forth. he paid them. He paid them. He gave them cities instead. Yeah, he gave, he gave them, them, paid them, paid them. But they they didn't accept any any donation in the temple, in the temple itself. is going to ask to refute Rabbi Yechonon's opinion. We learn the Mishnah. We learn Ein Mekablim Emekdash from the Double Bedagabayis. We don't receive from a non-Jew, Hegdish, anything holy in a dove and a donation. Lebedekabayis means to support the house, the, 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 the upkeeping of the temple, not the building of the temple, the upkeeping of the temple. So you see, we don't accept anything. Pasole, so Rabbi Yechner will answer you, no. He'll explain to you, Yes, you don't accept, but the mission is, is referring to specifically something that's identifiable. Something that's identifiable, then you don't accept, not in the beginning, in the building, and not in the upkeep. Mm-hmm. So if they brought a manure, we wouldn't take it, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. Very good. But enough yarn to make a curtain you would take, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then the Gemara is going to ask him Shem Melakish. Now the Gemara is asking him Shem Melakish's opinion. Shem Melakish Amar Beim Bitchila Beibesei Beimakavul Beim Leidav Mesui. Must this apply? Gemara Shlag Shem Melakish. I'll bring you a mission that contradicts Shem Melakish's opinion. Tani, we learn Hakel Shavin. We learn in Erechin Hakel Shavin. Shein Leidim and Idad. There's an argument in Mesechta Erechin. But in Abmei and Rabbi Yehuda, if a goy, the idea of erichin, the idea of erichin is if you take, you say that my value, I'm giving, to, I'm donating my value to the temple. Depends on what your age you are. It depends you're male or female. And the same if you say I'm, I'm donating your value. So it depends the age and the male, female, different ages. You have to give to the temple. There's an argument if this is applicable to a non-Jew. Could a non-Jew make uh, an erich say, I'm going to give the value of a Jew? Or could a Jew say, I'm giving the value of a non-Jew? That's an argument that I made in Rabbi Huda. But then the mission says, Veshavim, but everyone agrees. But everyone agrees that a nether you could make. A nether is, I'm not just giving a value. The value is a fixed value, a fixed price. The Torah says, it doesn't matter. The most valuable person or simplest person, they have the equal value. A nether means I'm making... Um, I'm making a nether. If he says that I'm giving my worth in the marketplace, I'm giving my worth in the marketplace. Or someone says I'm giving the worth of a non-Jew, whatever he's worth in the marketplace, that's valid, and you're obligated. It's it's obligatory, obligated to give that value to the temple treasury. So what do we see? That a non-Jew could donate, because what do you do with this money? If the non-Jew says, I'm giving the value of this person, 
the marketplace value of this person, what do you do with the money? You give it to the temple treasury. So you're using his money. So you are accepting his money. Mm-hmm. So this proves Rabbi Yechonon's point, that since it's money, it's not identifiable, anything, it's not identifiable, you, from, you could accept from the non-Jew and use it for the upkeep. Rishlaka says something else. Yeah, so this is a contradiction. Rishlaka yeah. says you don't accept anything. It's not referring so to the Torah. Allah, so will answer you, It's referring to a, a, a sacrifice. A, a non-Jew is allowed to offer a sacrifice in the temple, according to everyone. He's not donating for the upkeep of the temple. Nidari means he's making a, sacri- a donation of a sacrifice, a burnt offering. It's the only sacrifice a non-Jew can bring. Caesar sent a sacrifice, remember? And then they put the moon, and that was right. the end of the temple, right? Right, right. <laughs> So he says, Nicha, it makes sense, Noidin. Okay, right. Noidin means he himself takes a nether, he himself right. takes a note. Nidarin, Oila. Loi. But he says, Noidin, Vinidarin. Nidarin means that someone else makes an oath. Right. It makes no sense. What do you mean an Oila? An Oila means you make a nether, the guy makes an oath. He's going to sacrifice a burnt offering in the temple. But Nidorin makes no sense. Neither. You make an oath, but Nidorin Oila. Nidorin means that he himself becomes the object of the oath. What do you mean? A, a Jew says, I'm, I'm offering the non Jew as a, as a burnt offering? I mean, uh, it, it makes no sense. If you learn that we, we understood earlier. That is referring to if someone says, I'm making my value, I'm donating my market value to the temple, mm-hmm. or someone else's market value, then it makes sense. The non-Jew says, I'm offering my value or someone else's value, or someone else says, I'm the non-Jew. I'm going to donate to the temple the market value of the non-Jew. That's what he says, neither or neither. Mm-hmm. But in the case of an oila, it doesn't make sense. Neither means I'm making a donation to give an oila. What do you mean, neither? The non-Jew himself becomes a burnt offering. Lo, it makes no sense. El Lakshama Yisrael, as the Gemara says, Rishakish will explain to you the means of Shaini Yisrael. Hadei Eli Oil. It's talking about when the non Jew says, I take upon myself, I make a vow, I'm going to bring a oil, a burnt offering to the temple. Vishama Nachri, a non Jew heard. Bahamadi says, Mashama Zelai. Whatever he says, I I second. Ditto. I'm going to do the same. That's what he, that's what so it's, it appears as if. The not, as if the Jew is donating the non-Jew, because he's causing the, the non-Jew to donate. The non-Jewish donation is following, so that's why he says, neither v'nidar. But really he's talking about a sacrifice, because otherwise, according to Ishlagaj, we don't accept a penny from the non-Jew, even for the upkeep, even if it's not identifiable as just money. Okay. Says the Gemara asks another question. Rishlakish, we learned if a non-Jew did not bring the libations that come together that accompany the burnt offering. So if the non-Jew doesn't accept the offerings, so then the Jews take care of it. The community pays for his libations. Mm-hmm. And then later on, and he brings afterwards, after it was already done, then he, he brings the libations. But it was already done, because we, we offered already, the community paid for it already. So what do you do with his libations? So, 
What do you do with the extra? What do we do with the extra uh, libations, with the extra value? We sell it and we use it. We use it for the uh, vessels in the temple. So we do accept donations from the nunju. We accept no, 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 something, and no, it's not identifiable. Turns out that the Gentile brings a specific article. It seems like that. It seems like that. No, he didn't. He didn't. No, but he brought money. We just sell it. We take the money, so it's not identifiable. But according to the Shlokish, it doesn't matter. Even something that's not identifiable, you're not. You don't accept from the non-Jew. So how could we use his value, his money, his worth, and use it to pay for the uh, vessels in the temple? So Hasif, Rabbi Hasif Barbuun, Rabbi Barbuun. So he answered, "What to Ninon? You have to add Madichin, Madichin, Rachin, Veerichin." Oh, another question we can ask. It says Madichin, Rachin, Veerichin. We learn that the goyim. The goyim could say erech, the value of someone else is ami. He's obligated, and also they could be, they could be evaluated. If a Jew says, "I'm paying the value of this ganon," he's adding to the question. So, according to this opinion, that a goy could make an erech, where does that money go to? Doesn't that evaluation go to the bedik abayis, to the temple treasury? To, to fix the temple, for the work in the temple, for the maintenance of the temple. We have to say, just we answer over there. He doesn't have a mind for the temple. He's saying, I'm giving it to Hashem. The value of this person, I'm donating to Hashem. It's just the Torah says, what are we going to do with it? We give it to the temple. It wasn't his intention. So also over here, here too, we'll answer the same thing. He meant to bring the libation because we already paid for the libation, so therefore it's extra. So, what are we going to do with it? We sell it, we're going to use that money to buy Couple utensils. Yeah. But that wasn't his intention, therefore, we can accept it. But if he brings a donation, Eshlakish is saying, if he brings a donation, his intention is for the temple, we don't accept it even if it's unidentifiable. So, in other words, he's like anybody else. The better guy is the shortest. It says here he's bringing it for the Lashem Shemayim. Yeah. Right. So it could be used for anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we continue in side B. The mother says, the mother concludes, Rabbi Shimon Mangalli, Apostle Rabbi Shimon Mangalli brings a proof to his, his opinion. We don't accept any donation from the non-Jew, even for the upkeep of the temple, even something that's not identifiable, if his intent is to give to the temple. Because it says in the book of Ezra, it says, that any partnership, he learns it literally, we don't accept any partnership of the non-Jew in the build, not only in the building of the, of the temple, but even in the upkeep of the temple. The Gemara says, Rav Chizgi, Rav Simen, Rav Chizgi, he asked a question and he, was in, he didn't know the answer. Me'ata now, Ein Mekabalin Mehen, Maybe we shouldn't accept the donations even for the waterways in Yerushalayim. For the walls of the city, the towers, for the protection. Because it says in the book of Nehemiah, You're saying only the temple. You're discussing now about the temple. Could they donate to the temple? Can't they donate to the temple? If they, if 
Are they allowed to donate, if anything? Yishlokah says nothing, not even the upkeep of the temple, even some is not identifiable. What about Yerushalayim? What if he wants to participate in Yerushalayim, the building of the walls, the maintenance of Yerushalayim? It's a city. So he's saying we don't, we're not going to, we're not going to take taxes from the non-Jew in Yerushalayim. He can't pay for participate in the upkeep of the city because we don't have any portion. The same pasuk, the same verse that says you have no portion in the building of the Beis Hamikdash also says that you have no portion in Yerushalayim. So he's not sure. He remains with a question. It's not certain whether we're allowed to accept the shlokas. According to Rabbi Yechon, it's not a question. Rabbi Yechon says for the upkeep, you're allowed to take money. Mm-hmm. So of course they can. They must participate. They could participate, but then unless it's something identifiable. But according to the shlokas, it says you don't accept anything. That's his question. Okay. In this case, if you give a shekel, for you and your friend, a half, two half shekels together. But you're not giving a half a shekel, you're giving one whole shekel. And mayor says you have to give two, two kolbanis. Masnise, our Now, my time at Rameir, you want to say, what's the reason of Rameir? What's the reasoning of Rameir? What's the logic behind Rameir? So he says, that even though the shekel is not tighter, he's not obligated to give a shekel. Just like his shekel, giving a shekel is tighter. So too, it's also biblically obligated to give a Calvin. You're obligated to give a Calvin. Hashem showed Moshe, he showed him a fiery coin. It's exactly like this, not less. So the fiery coin is pure. It doesn't have any any spoil. It's pure. So, the, but the shekel that we have is worn out. There must be some impurity, so it's not. Could be dirt on it. The way is it more? So it's know? not the exact value. Yeah. It has less of a value. Less or more. So that's why you have to add a kalbin. You have to add a premium, right? You have to add a premium. So it doesn't matter if it's a half a shekel. You have to give a premium. If it's a full shekel, you have to give a premium. But not today, our money So for each shared. half shekel, each one, a half a shekel, has to give a premium. That's why yeah. if, if two people together give a shekel, each they have to give two, two kalbonis accompanying yeah. it. One kalbon for each half right, right, to make right. sure that it's exactly equal. The rabbis disagree. The rabbis say, Zeh Yitnu is coming to teach me that Zeh, that the uh, the 12, as we learned the other day, 12, Zeh is the 12, that all 12 tribes have to participate, even Levi, the Koinim, also are obligated to give. So if the husband's giving shekel. for his wife, and giving a whole shackle. She's not required, so he still has to give the two. No, that we learn. No, the woman is know. not obligated. Yeah, we don't know. Oh. Yeah, sure. Okay. No, son, sell a little shekel. Oh, no, we learned this. Yeah. So he says he's obligated. 
A person gives a complete, a complete shekel to get back a shekel. He wants change. Right. He gives the money exchanger. He gives him a shekel. And takes back one. Takes back shekel. only half. Yeah. Only half. One. One. He takes back one shekel. He gives the one shekel. He takes to keep. So chayiv shnekel by. No, he only gives back forty-nine cents. You have to give two kolbeins. Really? You have to add two kolbeins. I'm Rav Lozer David Rameiri. This is the opinion of Rameir that you have to give two kolbeins. Rameir Amar Rameir said echad shekel shul neis and echad selah shul neitel. The Tani will in the Brayse Ela chayavim be kolbein kolbein echad. The Rabbis say you only have to give one kolbein. Rameir Amar Rameir says base kolbeins. Rameir says you have to give two kolbeins. So therefore, so over here, so, so also over here, you also have to give two kolbanes, one for the half a shekel that you're giving, mm-hmm. and one to pay the money exchanger. You have to pay his fee. He's doing a service. You have to pay for the service. So you have to add the kolban. That's a that's a a fee. Yeah. An exchange fee. That's why it ends up two. But according to the rabbis. According to the rabbis, you only have to give one, because they hold you don't have to give for a half a shekel. You only have to give for the for the full shekel, or or you, or you only have to give for the for the exchange exchange of the fee. First opinion said that according to the rabbis, you only give one kalvin, but Rav Rav says no. Everyone holds, even the rabbis hold in this case. When did the rabbi say you only give one cowboy and if two people together are giving the half a shekel? Instead of each one bringing half a shekel, they give together one shekel. So there's no exchange involved. So you just give one cowboy. That little extra to make sure that because the value of the, of, the, of, the, of the whole coin is not the same, it's not equal to the value of the two half shekels. Because since it's such a the premium demand for it, it goes up in value. Fine, so one cowboy is enough. But the rabbi says, no, but in this case, where you're getting change, you're paying half a shekel, and you're getting change, a half a shekel goes into your pocket. In this case, yeah, even the rabbi say you have to give two kolbenes. Why? One, because anytime you give a full shekel, we said the rabbi say you have to give a, a kolben. Because you want to make sure you're giving the value, everyone is giving the same value, equal value. Someone who's giving a half a shekel is giving a value, a premium value. There's a high demand for this half a shekel. So in the marketplace, the value goes up. So, so if you're giving a, a full shekel, it's not the same. It's not the same value as in the marketplace as a half a shekel. So you have to give a little more. Everyone should be the same value. And the, since you're getting change, you're walking away with change, you have to give a fee, an exchange fee. So even the rabbis say in this case you have to give a kalpa. It seems to me that... Two kalpas. Yeah, let's finish it. So echad shekel shul and echad shekel shul so even according to Tanakama, since he's taking change, so he has to give two kolbanis. The Gemara says, I'll die to the Rav, according to the Rav's opinion, are you going to say that I may have shalosh kolbanis? And according to Rav, maybe you have to give three kolbanis. Because Rav may also, you have half a shekel, you have for the change, and then you have for one biblically, because it has to be pure. One for the shekel that he's giving, and one for the for the half a shekel that he's getting back. The Gemara says no. He also, Rabbi Yirmiya, came. He said in the name of Shmuel, Rabbi Yitzchak, in the name of Rab, Shem Rab, Shloisha Kolbanis Inut. 
Even though Rav says everyone holds, it means everyone holds, you have to give two, not less than two. But more, maybe Rav Meir holds, you have to give more than, more than two, you have to give three. Okay, now let's get back to the last part of the Mishnah about the brothers. About the brothers. We learned in the Mishnah... That they're obligated to give a kalba, in the, but they're, then they're exempt from Maisa Behem. In other words, if they divided the estate. It's talking about when they already divided the estate. And then they repartnered again. But in the case of Shachayav and Maisa Behem, the mission says if they're obligated to give tithing, then the a kalvin. What's that case talking about? Before they divide the estate. Yeah. So then they're, they're not partners. They're all part of the same estate. So you obligated them tithe. But it's the father giving for them. And therefore, you, you don't have to add the Calvin. You don't have to add that extra. He says, when is this? Only if they divided the estate. That one brother took all the kid goats. And the other brother took all all the um, the older, the spotted and speckled like the older goats, did, right? right. Yeah. So then we say that by dividing the estate, it's as if they sold to each other, because really every brother has an equal fifty-fifty. Every brother gets fifty percent, half and half. Mm-hmm. So he should get half of the goats, the kid goats. He should get half of the regular goats. Yeah. Since he's saying, you take all the kid goats and I'll take all the regular goats. And they're selling each other their 50% in the, in, the, in the kid goats and the other brother's 50% in the regular goats. So therefore, it's, an, it's a sale. Therefore, they're exempt from, from, from tithing. If this one took 50%, half of the kid goats. When this one took half of, half of the, the regular goats, the older goats. Then we say the concept of Breda. Then, then they're not selling to each other. Initially, you get 50, you get 50. So we're saying, you got your 50 and you got your 50. Right. There's no sale here. So therefore, they should, they should be obligated to tithe. Rabbi Echanan argues, Rabbi Echanan says, no, even if the brothers divided 50-50 down the middle, each one took half of each, half of the kid goats, and uh, each one took half of the, the older goats. They are considered if they sold each other. Why? Because each, one, each goat, you have 50, I have 50. I don't know which, which one is yours, which one is not. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm taking yours and you're taking mine. So we're selling to each other. Because he holds aim breda. We don't believe in the concept of breda. We don't say that retroactively. It clarifies as if initially uh, you took your 50 that was initially designated for you. No. Now they're selling to each other. So therefore they are purchasing from each other and they're exempt from tithing. Mm. Like we learned, tamon, we learned over there, alakuach. Someone who bought someone gives you if you buy animals and someone gives you a gift the animals exempt from tithing so therefore since they consider like buying from each other they're exempt from tithing you might have continues let's already finish the end of the chapter he asked he could have also said the Mishnah could have also said a scenario there are times there are times when they're obligated and liable both for a kalbain and for tithing mm-hmm. and there are times they're exempt from both our Mishnah says whenever you're 
whenever you're liable for, whenever you're exempt from a kalbain, that means you're 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 liable for tithing. Whenever you're exempt from tithing, it means you're liable for for the kalbain. No, there are scenarios where you're exempt, you're obligated for both. You're obligated both for and for tithing, and there's a scenario where you're exempt from tithing and from Calvin. Which which scenarios? He spells it out. Hey, Chavida, how? In a case where, in a case where Chilkos and Chasim, well, Chilkos What if they divided the rest of the estate, but they didn't divide the animals? So since they divided the rest of the estate, they're obligated. They're obligated. They're no longer the estate of the father. The father is not giving the shekel for them. Each one is giving for himself. So they're obligated for a kalban. But since they didn't divide the animals, yet the animals are still yeah, part so of the same kid, estate. So, the yeah. so they're still obligated. They're still they're still obligated, still obligated, obligated right? for tithing. Yeah. In this, and if a case where they divided the animals. And then they repartnered again. They did not divide the rest of the estate. The father is paying for their shekel, so they don't have to give the kalvin. And but and they're exempt also from tithing because they did divide the estate. says, That you said that if they divided the 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 rest of the estate and did not divide the animals, they're obligated to give a kalvin because the the um, because now they divided the estate, each one is paying from his own money. That it's only if the majority of the estate is not animals. If most of the estate is animals, that's the whole entire inheritance, basically. That's the main inheritance. So if they did not yet divide the animals, then we consider it as if. Uh, as if it's still considered the estate. So the money they're giving, they, in other words, they didn't divide it yet. Yeah. You follow the majority. So the money they're giving is if the estate is giving the money, if the father is giving the money, therefore he's exempt yeah. from the Kalban. Okay, let's conclude. Rabbi said in the name, Rabbi Shimi Boy, he asked, and the words of Rabbi Mon, since they didn't divide the animals, you're exempting him from this Kalban. The bottom line is they gave from their own money. So Amalei, Rabbana responded, Lord, you're wrong. Shani, it's different. The din of Calvin is different. Because since they're giving a whole entire coin, if they gave together, the brothers gave together an entire coin, so it's as if the estate is giving the coin. Meata now, so Rav, Rav, Rav Simi continued to ask. Now, according to you, if they gave the coin together, even if they divided, and then they divide everything, they, div- they divided the whole entire estate, and then they reunited as partners, you say they're obligated to give a Calvin. Why? They should be exempt from Calvin because they're giving it together in one coin. Mm-hmm. According to you, but we learn now. According to you, why? If they gave and giving together, mm-hmm. the brothers are giving together. Why don't you consider it as if they're as if they're, the estate is giving it? So answered. Oh, the Gemara remains with the question. The Gemara, that question remains. 
that if they're giving him one single coin, if their brothers give separately, fine, then it makes sense. But if they're giving him one single coin, if they're giving him one single coin, why, then why don't we consider it as if the estate is giving? He remains with the question. Now the Gemara concludes, that this that we said that brothers who are in the same estate who did not yet divide it yet it's as if it's as if the father is giving it for them and you don't have to give a Calvin it's only with brothers it doesn't matter if it's two brothers or or it's two brothers-in-law who, who inherit their father-in-law. The two brothers-in-law, the their wives inherited from their father, and then their wife died. So the husbands inherit their wives. So they inherit now through their wives, they inherit the estate of their of their their mutual father-in-law. Right. So also we consider it as if it's the father-in-law's estate. When they give the shekel from the estate, mm-hmm. it's as if the father-in-law is giving it for them and they're exempt from a Calvin. Okay, the Gemara says, Lehechen, what did they do with this Calvin, with this extra money? Lehechen, hoyo, akalbainus, neiflin. The mayor says, Lushkalim. They used to put it together with all the Shkalim, in the, in the chamber of all the Shkalim. Because the mayor holds that you're biblically obligated to give the Calvin, to make sure that it's pure, to make sure that each one gave a, not less than a half a shekel that Moshe saw, that Hashem showed Moshe. So, if you, so therefore it's part of the half a shekel. And therefore, you use it together with all the shkalim. It goes together. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Lazar follows the opinion of the rabbi. It's only rabbinic. She says, Lina Dava. You use it to buy, you purchase the uh, donation, sacrifices that are donation. The, the altar, once the altar, once you offer the sacrifice in the morning till the afternoon, the altar had to be busy nonstop, mm-hmm. except Shabbos. So, um, so therefore, you would use the altar you would bring constant sacrifices, mm-hmm. the communal sacrifices, donations. You use this money for these donational sacrifices to keep the altar busy. says, You use this money to cover the walls of the Holy of Holies. Golden, mm-hmm. gold metal, uh, golden-plated walls. Mm-hmm. Wallpaper, golden-plated. <laughs> No, we use this to, to reward the money exchangers. You have to pay their wages. So we use this to pay their wages because they stop working and they, they're sitting there and doing a tremendous service for the people. So we have to give them something for it, mm-hmm. for, their, for their effort. Otherwise, they're, they're losing out on their own part. They could have used that time to, do, do, to work. Mm-hmm. We use it to pave the roads for infrastructure, we can have an We finish the first chapter. We finish the first chapter. Mazel tov, mazel tov. We'll continue tomorrow, the second chapter.